U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services receives more than 8 million requests a year from foreign visitors who wish to extend their stay in the United States. As you might expect, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of disparate systems involved. Now USCIS is embarking on an e-processing initiative, starting with those extension requests. Joining me in studio with the details, the Associate Director for Immigration Records and Identity Services, Tammy Meckley. Ms. Meckley, good to have you in. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So let's start with what the system is now. People apply to stay with a certain form, and that form is still paper? Correct. Uh, that is, as you uh, mentioned, one of 8 million uh, applications that we receive a year. Uh, all of our applications today are in paper form. Um, we are embarking on the C-Processing Initiative, uh, and the goal of this is to connect our existing systems and services. Uh, rather than using just standalone comprehensive system or infrastructure, we're connecting through integration uh, all of those services to be able to link and process from intake and receipt through payment, through bi-directional communication with applicants, through decision-making. So the entire process will be digital, electronic, uh, online, if you will. And so right now someone applies, say they're from India and they're studying here or they're doing some engineering work under one of the visa programs and they want to stay another six months, or I'm just making this up, they fill out a form. And what happens to that form now? So that form uh, is once completed, is sent to our intake facility, uh, intakes paper today, um, they mail it in. They mail it in. Uh, and as you can imagine, that takes several days to even reach our facilities to even begin the processing. Um, that form is reviewed. Uh, we often see a lot of applications rejected for simple things like somebody failed to sign a form or perhaps they rendered an incorrect payment. Uh, those inefficiencies or those inaccuracies through the digital platform uh, can't possibly happen. So sure. before you can actually submit, you have to provide a digital digital signature in the e-processing world, and you can't submit the wrong payment. So it essentially weeds out what today would be a rejected form, which then we would mail back to you, and then you would have to correct it and send it back to us. So you can just hear the amount of time it takes even to get into the processing pipeline. And for the people making decisions on the basis of that piece of paper, what are they using? They must have systems at their fingertips, maybe several, that they have to check records and other databases? Correct. Uh, but what's interesting um, and somewhat inefficient and why we're, again, uh, moving to this digital platform is that paper moves from location to location. And these paper files move all across the United States. The workflow that's associated with how applications are essentially adjudicated is based on how paper moves throughout the process. So that is our workflow process for many of the applications that we process today. So tomorrow, when we're receiving information digitally, that information can be shared through that connectivity, through those integration points with the other services that help move that application through the adjudication process. So it won't have to be mailed and stored and tracked in physical locations. It sounds like then that you really have to start with a workflow redesign to take advantage of what you can do digitally instead of, as they used to say, paving the paper cow path. Correct. I think a lot of the functionality exists today across the entire infrastructure, um, our IT infrastructure. And so again, that integration point in iterating on those services. So where we need to make enhancements or add additional functionality or capability, once we have everything integrated, then it provides the opportunity for us to continue to optimize on that service-oriented architecture. And you mentioned the time it takes to go back and forth with forms. What are some of the metrics that you want to address in the resulting system? 
So the cost, the cost of receiving paper, the cost of storing paper, the cost of managing and auditing these records. Uh, We have today over 45 million paper alien files. So if you can imagine the amount of management around how we control all of those records, I mean, there's a there's a lot of information about individuals uh, that that have to be properly stored and protected. Uh, those files are permanent records. Even after USCIS is done with the adjudication, we have to then transfer those files to the National Archives based on our record retention schedules. So we keep these files for a very, very long time. So we're really trying to reduce the amount of movement, the amount of storage costs, the amount of inefficiency that comes with just moving paper just by getting rid of the paper uh, completely. And to say nothing of the FedEx and UPS costs. There are those costs as well. We're speaking with Tammy Meckley. She's Associate Director for Immigration Records and Identity Services at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. And so how do you begin? What, what, do you, what is the stage of the project right now and how are you going about it? So we embarked on this by essentially developing a hypothesis. Uh, what we essentially said was we did not want to build an entire uh, monolithic uh, case management infrastructure uh, where every one of these services that we're building is part of one tightly coupled IT solution. And the hypothesis we developed was could we look across USCIS and look at all of the systems and services that we have and integrate those services? So again, from intake, through payment, through account, through content, you know, managing the content, because we need to have a digital content repository. Today, it's a paper A file. Tomorrow, that is going to be an online electronic A file. Again, we need to make sure that that content is maintained. It's accessible. It's available to the users and the decision makers, even outside of just the immigration benefit adjudication. There's other business cases and use cases for that information. So that hypothesis was, can we connect and integrate all of those services to form that complete end-to-end digital pipeline? And that is what we are testing the I-539, which you mentioned, the application to extend or change immigration status. We're testing that hypothesis with that form today. So there would be almost a clearinghouse for the various forms of paperwork for this and other applications that come with USCIS. I mean, how many interactions do you think people can potentially have with the agency besides the extensions we've been talking about? Right. So, as you know, USCIS uh, administers the nation's lawful immigration system. So that includes people who are filing for lawful permanent resident status, people who are filing to become American citizens, to naturalize in the U.S. We do all of the asylum processing, uh, the refugee processing, uh, but we even use data and records in the E-Verify context and also in the systematic alien verification for entitlements. So I mentioned E-Verify. So once you apply for and receive um, immigration status in the United States, there are other subsequent benefits that you could be filing for in the United States. One is, you know, am I authorized to work in the U.S.? So we use that same information. We use that same data um, to determine work authorization in the E-Verify context. Um, The SAVE program that I mentioned, a lot of federal, state, and local benefit granting agencies come to USCIS and they ask us for immigration status so they can can properly and fairly adjudicate public benefits. So that's another use case. We also, the FOIA program, uh, the Freedom of Information Act, we receive over 200,000 requests a year. So all of that information is requested from USCIS and also genealogy. I think a lot of people forget that USCIS is also responsible for the genealogy program. So we, we receive a lot of requests from archivists, from researchers, um, from uh, 
uh, the uh, academia, uh, lots of different uh, business cases. Um, a lot of our partners um, in in the DHS context also need to use that immigration information. So once it's digital and it's in a a digital platform, we can more easily share that information across sure. all of these different use cases. But a lot of these use cases have their own sets of logic that is based on the rules applying to that particular federal program, Correct. applying for asylum and so forth, or even fulfilling a FOIA request. So how it's easy to see how the data might be integrated within a given application. But what about the rules and the rules engines? Yeah, so the rules engines stay the same. So whatever those business rules are in terms of who can access that information and how that information can be used is the same. We just take it and put it into a digital platform. Today, sometimes even in the context of um, we referred over 145,000 instances of suspected immigration fraud to law enforcement last year, um, you know, in order for us I thought to be, you were going to say last week. No, that last year. In order for us to be able to, uh, you know, handle those types of um, actions, we've got to have that information in a system. A lot of times our, our reviews are of paper records today and trying to piece together information in, in a very paper-intensive environment. Um, so, again, we're constantly thinking about not only, you know, creating this e-processing engine and, and connecting these services and technologies – but how do we further optimate, optimize on that once we have full data capture in a particular system? And what is your programmatic approach? That is to say, contractors coding by employees of the federal government and so forth. How are you making this programmatically? Right. So this is probably the most important uh, part of the process is how do we get the information technology team and all of the business owners of USCIS um, the business owners are the business people who use and rely on those systems to to properly do the important mission of United of of USCIS, like the head of asylum granting. Exactly, that's not the so, right title, but right. But but the individuals who who have to adjudicate asylum cases, they need to make sure that IT understands what those business requirements are, and they do the necessary development. Uh, to make that happen. And so there's a very strong relationship between IT and the business. And then our technology teams go out and partner with industry and bring in the best of the best to be able to design and develop our user interfaces and the back-end coding of the development work that needs to be done. So there's a lot of individuals involved in this process, and we have to be very closely working together to make sure that those requirements are well-documented, IT understands them, and that we're managing our, our industry partners to be able to develop and deploy those solutions and iterate on those services. And do you have industry partners yet, or is that something planned in a series of acquisitions? No, we have those industry partners. And, and like I said, because we're not building a brand new system, we're leveraging the existing resources and development teams that we have in place today. And what is the status of it? Is We started by talking about the applications for extensions of stay by people mm -hmm. in the country lawfully for whatever purpose. How soon will they face a computer screen as opposed to a paper form? Right. So today you can already file online. We started a few weeks ago for those individuals who are filing for the I-539. Uh, as of yesterday, we have over 400 uh, digital uh, I-539 receipts from this population. Uh, so we did communicate. We got the message out that this functionality is available and we're already seeing people take advantage of it. And our second hypothesis was now that we've got this integrated service-oriented architecture designed and developed for the 539, 
how do we hit that form factory? How do we hit a, a very quick, repeatable process so we can integrate more USAS forms into that factory as quickly as possible? So we're not done. So there's there's more iteration that we need to do. For example, we need to be able to allow co-applicants to file. We need to be, be able to develop the functionality for representatives to file on behalf of applicants. So that's additional iteration and additional functionality that we're building to make sure that we can uh, take on additional form types into that that e-processing pipeline. This whole idea of e-processing and getting rid of the paper forms, this is something that the agency and maybe Homeland Security writ large has been trying for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Earlier years, not so much success. Mm-hmm. This is a new way of a new ramp to this? Yeah. I mean, I think we've we've learned a lot. Uh, we've learned a lot over embarking on this, this digital endeavor. Uh, we have uh, and have processed over 3 million requests digitally. Uh, uh, 1 million of those have been filed online through the MyUSAS intake channel. Uh, another 2 million that even if we received in paper, we're seeding into this digital process. Um, so we can, again, digitally adjudicate those and get decisions back to the individuals requesting them. So, Is there a plan to, say, take some of the existing paper forms and can they be scanned and populate as if they were done electronically in the first place? So the intent of this is day forward. So as we build sure. out the capability and functionality, file online, we really want to stay away from digitizing existing paper. That's very costly to do. Now, if there's a business case and a return on investment where that would make sense, will we entertain that? Absolutely. But we're certainly not going to take 42 million paper alien records and digitize them. That would be an indebt. Well, I, I don't think it's even possible. <laughs> so we'll just leave it there. <laughs> Tammy Meckley is Associate Director for Immigration Records and Identity Services at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. And just a question about language on the front end of all of this, because the people applying for extensions or asylum or whatever speak many, many different languages. And so I'm presuming you have English to start with. But what do you have also and what are the plans there? So we do mirror the OMB approved forms. So for now, they're all in English. Um, and we do have a Spanish version of USAS.gov, but that does not extend to the forms themselves. So we will we will continue to develop and push out um, the forms in English at this time. This is a big project. Do you envision a day when everything having to do with the application for immigration benefits will be done electronically? So our stretch goal is to have all immigration application forms available in a digital way um, by December 2020. We know this is a stretch goal, uh, and and we're going to do everything we can to get there. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefit to USAIS. There's a lot of benefit to the applicants who are seeking immigration benefits to be able to engage in a digital way with USCIS. So we're going to do everything we can to achieve that goal. And again, that doesn't mean that Everything is optimized at that point. It just means that everything is in a digital environment. And then beyond December 2020, that doesn't mean that we're done in claiming victory and celebrating. That means then we continue to optimize on that type of experience. And again, I just want to restate, for those who do file online, that means you get your application to us faster. It gets into the the pipeline faster than if you depend and rely on mail Um, You can then receive cases and case updates instantly because through your account, you're creating an account to be able to file online with USCIS. So now you can correspond and engage with us online. Um, You can also um, apply using any internet connected computer or mobile device. 
So again, it is mobile. It is mobile. But describe it from the point of view of the adjudicators, the people that decide the federal employees that are behind all of this. So from their perspective, um, this doesn't really look any different because they have case management systems that they use and rely on uh, to perform that adjudication part of this process. So the, the, the big difference for them is rather than looking at paper records, you know, applications, evidence, uh, the individuals are sending to us, they will be viewing that content online through the content management service that's part of this e-processing pipeline. But it must be more satisfying for them in in terms of being able to do a day's work because they don't have to return so many that come in, whoops, can't do that one, can't do that one, got to mail that back. Correct. So in, in a sense, they can close faster yeah. and I'm, reduce the pipeline. I, I mean, the goal here is that, you know, we're hoping that the, the new e-processing infrastructure uh, will assist with more perfected requests. So by the time something hits an adjudications officer's desk, it is ready for the adjudication officer to do the important work of the agency. Tammy Meckley is Associate Director for Immigration Records and Identity Services at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Celebrate this holiday season by sending money to your loved ones with Western Union. As a new customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee when you send money online. For fast and reliable money transfers, use Western Union. Visit westernunion.com or download our app today to get started and your first transfer fee is on us. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply.